stewardship, and uh, I, had, uh, I had my plant up here. Now, I'm, I must confess that when I came in this morning, I was gone for three or four days, my plant was dead. So I had to go out and find another plant and put it in here, and so this one is still alive for right now. But uh, wouldn't it be nice if you had a plant that grew money, right? You ever heard, you know, you always say, my dad used to tell me all the time whenever I asked him, he says, son, I don't have, I don't have a tree in the backyard that grows money. And I, I thought, well, that'd be nice. How many of you have ever seen the tree? I don't even know what kind of tree it is. It's got those little things. They look like little coins on them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody? Um, in Missouri, do you know what it is? Yeah. They're like, I don't, do you know what kind of tree that is? I don't either. But it looked like it had coins on it. And they would fall all over the ground, make a big mess, but it wasn't real coins, because if it would have been, I would have tried to cash those in. All right, so let's go back to Luke chapter number 16. We got started with this last week. I'll give you a little bit of, of uh, review from what we covered last week. We'll get into the second part of this lesson, and I entitled it, Give an Account of Thy Stewardship. And so look there in your Bible or in your outline, verse number 1 of chapter 16 of Luke. The Bible says, And he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused, uh, uh, was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out, of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said unto another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Notice, when ye fail. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will... Um, hold of the one and despise the other, ye cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they, which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now, as you think about stewardship, and this matter of giving an account of your stewardship, last week we covered a few things by way of review is how the Jesus, who is the master teacher, there's never been one like him, there's, there won't be a, 
another teacher that could teach the principles of the Word of God the way Jesus could. But what we find is Jesus employed these, what we call parables. The reason it says there is that he would use those to reveal truth to those who actually wanted to know what he was teaching, the truth. And he also used it to conceal the truth from those who were indifferent. We still run into people today that are very indifferent to the things of God. They, they have their own mindset, their own opinions. And uh, I try my best whenever I stand to teach or preach the word of God and I talk to Brother Kenny and Brother Chris and others that teach here uh, in our children's ministries and various things, let's make sure we're teaching the word of God. We're teaching the principles of the word of God. And Jesus wants us, look, he's not playing hide and go seek. He wants us to know the truth. And one of the things that he would do is he would use a parable. Now in this chapter, this unjust steward is used here to teach us about this matter of stewardship. Somebody put it this way, that stewardship identifies God as the owner and man as the manager. We are managing someone else's affairs. In other words, in life, if we are a child of God, we're managing what God has placed in our care and our keeping. And that's something that I think even when I was a young Christian, I struggle with that. You know, uh, I'm the one that worked the job. I'm the one that made the money. And that's understandable. We can think about things in that way. But God helped me through the word of God to understand that, that I am going to one day, and you will too, give an account of how we manage our affairs, how we uh, manage our stewardship. And in this passage, this, there was a man in Luke 16 we just read about that mismanaged his stewardship. He did not handle it the way, and the Bible uses the word there, he was an unjust steward. Now, this story teaches us the wise investment of money. And that's what we need to do is we need to be wise in what we do with now again remember the the bible calls it unrighteous mammon you cannot serve god in mammon and so god's god wants to know what are you going to do with what i've given to you and that's what uh we see here in, in luke 16 so here's some principles one that i shared with you last week is this money is a trust remember i talked about look at verse number 12 again it says if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own? So we, we understand, look, as a child of God, that we came into this world with nothing, and it's sure that we're going to leave this world with nothing. That everything we have comes from God. Uh, all good things come down from above. God is so good to bless us in so many ways. And I've learned a long time ago, it's not always with money. God can bless us with health. God can bless us with children. God can bless us with a good job, God can bless us. Well, there's so many areas that God can bless our lives. And so what we're saying here when we say money is a trust is it's that you and I, we are looking after someone else's property and goods that have been placed into our hands. And here's what we need to do with it. Manage it well. That's why we say here that money is a trust. But notice as God entrusts us. Last week, we also said that money should be transferred. Uh, the Bible clearly talks about, go back to verse 9 in our passage. The Bible says, make to yourselves friends of, the, of, of mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. In other words, look, folks, what we do in this life, I hope that your past in your life and your thinking in your heart 
that you're trying to amass some great uh, fortune, some great uh, portfolio, uh, all this money that you can pile up in this life. Folks, look, we need to look beyond this life to that which is everlasting because one day everything in this world will be gone and only what's done for Christ is what's going to last. And the Bible tells us, and I shared these verses with you last week, uh, it says in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moss and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in where? In heaven. And so God says, look, I want you to be heavenly minded and not earthly minded. Now, I think, I think as God blesses us, remember managing that I've seen a lot of Christians who have managed what God's given to them, they've done a lot of good on this earth, but the good that they've done on this earth, they've done it for the Lord. I hope you understand the difference. Because a lot of people, it's about what I can get out of life, but see, someone who is heavenly minded is thinking to themselves, what can I do for the Lord? Because money has been entrusted to me, and I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how money needs to be eternally transferred, that it would be something that would be used of eternal significance. And that brings us to our third point, and write this one down is, and this is a big one for most people, money is a test. Money is a test. I mean, boy, you put money in someone's hands, or you put money in their, in their bank account, and, uh, you know, the old adage, you know, that money was burning a hole in his pocket. You know, a lot of times people get a hold of some money, and they just can't wait to spend it, and most of the time it's like the prodigal son who wasted it on riotous living. You think about how many frivolous ways, and by the way, I'm guilty too. We, we find ways to spend money, and we, I think to myself, boy, what a waste that was. I can think of years ago, I know you think this is hard to believe, but uh, I spent money and joined a gym. Now, you're not supposed to be laughing right there. I, I'm supposed to be a, a specimen of perfect health here in front of you. But uh, I joined a gym, and honestly, it was it, the, whole, the whole thing with that gym was kind of a ripoff, and, and I thought to myself, what a waste of money. I could have used that for something else. The older I get, and especially the older I get as a child of God, I start to think, what can I do with that for the Lord? But see, I never used to think about that in my early days, especially before I got saved, and even sometimes after I got saved. But money can be a test. And here's one thing that I see. Look at verse 11. It says here, If, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, and who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is not your own? So here's what I thought about is that money is a test of our future reward. That one day we will, we will be rewarded. Now, if you always want to know, and again, it helps me to put things into perspective, is I always go to the Word of God and think, what does God think about this? Uh, there's a lot of neat things, not a, a lot of neat ways you can study the Word of God. One of them is called the law of first mention. Uh, if you ever want to know God's heart on something, if you find it in the Word of God, many times when you find it first mentioned or first used in the Bible, you see a great illustration of that's God's heart on that matter. Now, you may find it throughout the Bible, but that's a great way to study it. Now, here's what we find is when you think about uh, money, here's what Jesus calls money. He calls it little or least. So does that help you understand what the Lord's, uh, how, how the Lord looks at money? 
how he looks at the riches of this world. You know, he, he mentions it as little or least. I read this illustration, really kind of a, a poll that they did. Now, it's a little bit dated, which in my opinion, sometimes you see polls like this, it's probably far worse. But back in 1999, they asked folks that when they polled them, they said, what would you do if somebody were to give you $10 million? They asked them, what would you do? Now, some of you right now, you're already thinking, you know, $10 million. And I want you to think about this because this, this, is, this is a factual poll. People indicated what they would be willing to do if they had $10 million. And here's what the results of this were. Listen to these. 25% of those that were polled said that they would abandon their, entire, their family entirely. 25% of them said that they, now they gave them certain things and they said, would you do any of these? 25% of them said they would abandon their entire family. 25% of them said that they would leave their church. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 16% said they would leave their spouse for $10 million. 10% said that they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. There was 7% that said that they would kill a stranger if someone gave them $10 million. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption if, if someone gave them $10 million. Now, listen, it's, it, at the end of the polls revealed that 66% agreed to at least one of those things I just read to you, and some of them to several. Several of those things were mentioned. And so the question this morning is, what would you do for money? What would you do if somebody offered you $10 million? See, money does strange things to people. You find people doing things that they would not do had it not been for money. And again, I, I go back to this. Jesus calls money the least. So when you are about to make a decision, and I want you to think about this, it's just rhetorical, you don't have to answer, but if you're going to face some major decision in life, whatever it might be, it might be a move, it might be a change of life, it might be a job change, I don't know, but if you're about to make a decision, is money the least of your consideration, or is money the chief of your consideration? A lot of times when people are, even in a church like ours, and somebody offers them a job, but that, with that job they would have to move. And, and, and many times what happens is it's, it's, it's about the money, it's about the almighty dollar. And most of the time people don't consider, are there any good churches in the area? Is this God's will for my life? And folks, you have to understand as a Christian, especially as a father or mother, that it, it, can, it can really be damaging, not only to you, but to your entire family. And so, again, what does Jesus call money? He calls it the least. But what many people do, and listen, sadly to say, even Christians do, is it becomes the chief of their consideration. Now, again, it, it may be God's will, but you should never make a, a major change in your life based on money. Because again, I look at it this way, money can be a test. 
Uh, Luke 16, 11, again, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, when Jesus says true riches, that should, make you, that should get you thinking. True riches. What does that reveal? Let me give you two things that I thought about when I was studying this lesson. Here's the first one about money is I think money reveals our faith. It reveals our faith. I see some people exercise great faith, and I see other people struggling when it comes to giving, and especially giving to something of eternal significance, because many times people think to themselves, well, I just, I don't know how this is all going to work out. Folks, that's why they call it faith. You know, a lot of people, I, and I ask people, don't you think, I mean, and I'm talking to a Christian, child of God, and I'll say to them, don't you think God's going to take care of you? How many of you believe God will take care of you? Now, to think that and to live that way are two different things. Because many are very anxious and they worry because we live in a world where many things are unstable. But remember, God's recession-proof. You know, none, none of what happens in life is going to affect God, right? God's going to take care of us no matter what happens in life. And so as we think about this, we have to believe that God will take care of us. True faith is believing God. It's walking according to the Word of God, not by what you and I can see. I know you know the verse, but look at it, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance. Get a hold of that word now. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You ever sat down with your finances and tried to make sense out of them? I mean, every time I do, it's like, I don't know how this is going to work out, but it always does. It always does. And by the way, the only, the only way it will work out is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, if you sit down and try to pay your bills and meet your own needs and then give God, that equation never works. And that's what many people do is they give God their leftovers and God says, I want the first fruits. I want you to start with me, and when you get to where you, you've got everything written out and you realize, okay, I don't understand how this is going to work out, then the Lord says, that's, that's faith. The evidence of things not seen. So true, the true test of our faith is where are we investing our money? Where? Now, only you can answer that. Sometimes in, in our lives... My wife and I, we've had to step back and we've had to say to ourselves, okay, where are we investing the money that we have? Now, remember, we're talking about being a steward, right? We're managing the Lord's finances. So there are times where we've had to step back and say, where are we spending money? Are we being a just steward with what God's given to us or an unjust steward of what God's given to us? And so I find that Money can reveal our faith, but notice, secondly, money also reveals our foresight. Now, when I say foresight, the, according to the Word of God, here's what it's talking about. It's talking about wisdom. Are you wise with that which God's given to you? Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 90. The days of our years are three score years and ten. How many years is that? 
Three score years and ten? Seventy. And so it says here, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, eighty, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is, it, is, it is soon cut off and they fly away, talking about our life, our years. But watch this, so teach us. Now, when does that start? When you're 69? You know, when you're, when you're 79? The Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may, here it is, apply our hearts unto what? Wisdom. God, give me wisdom. You know, if there's something I should be doing. Now, look here. If you ask God for wisdom, guess what he'll do? Give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, right? James, you know, so look, if any man, and by the way, ladies, that's all gender inclusive there. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You know, Lord, I, I you know, I sense, God, that you're, you're, you're dealing with me about giving to this or or being a part of this in missions or whatever it may be in your life or maybe maybe some business venture and if you ask God for wisdom, then what God's going to do is He's going to give you wisdom on maybe you shouldn't do that, maybe you should do that, here's what you should do with that. But the Bible says that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So listen, folks, we need to invest in what God is doing in this world. And we need to help, and there's ways we can do this. We can help, we can train men and women to reach others for all of eternity. Look, we, we are a church. We are to be a sending station. A church should be sending out. Look, <clears throat> I think many of you have been in church long enough, and many of you have probably been in this church long enough, that our church, when we support missionaries, we don't support missionaries that are not sent out by a local church. Because Jesus established the church and it's from churches that people are sent out. You study the New Testament, that's the principle that you find there. So even as a pastor and as a church, we want to be wise in what we're investing in. Uh, you know, we've had times where, and I don't know, maybe in the days ahead we might do something like this, but a lot of churches have gone to stuff like online giving. Some of you may have been part of a church like that. And look, I'm not against it. Some people are so... Uh, everything they do is online, and I don't have a problem with that. Most of the time, I just don't know what I'm doing because I'm illiterate a lot in those areas. But here's the thing is, is that I'm not going to do that. If the money that God's people give, that of that money that God's people gives, 10% or 15% go to this organization for them to manage that system, because to me, I believe that every penny God's people gives should go to what they're giving it to. See, I don't, I don't think, you know, if we're going to have some type of, let's say we were going to build a building. There's all the, and by the way, these aren't bad companies, but there's a lot of companies out there. And what they want to do is they want to come in and help a church to raise money to build a building or whatever it may be. And that's, look, I'm not putting any of those down. I, I know a lot of good companies that do that. The only problem is they want 25 or 30% in order to do that. You know what I say? Hey, I think we're smart enough with God's help to do that ourselves. We don't need to give 25 to 30% to some organization. I think that Jesus established the church. We've got to be wise about what is God doing. And look, folks, it's no mystery. Open your Bible, start to look throughout the word of God. You know what? Jesus came 
to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. You know who's lost? Anybody that doesn't know Christ. And so what we have to be doing is be wise about how we're investing because money is a test. So we've got to understand this. It's so important that we see that money reveals our faith and money reveals our foresight. Look at number four, and money is also a testimony. Look back in, in the chapter here that we're reading and look what it says here in verse number 13. It says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will help the one and love the, uh, hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then the Bible says in verse 14, the Pharisees who heard what he was saying, they, they were covetous, the Bible says here, giving the description of their hearts. And they heard what Jesus said, and notice their attitude. They derided him, and he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The Bible clearly says here, you can't serve God and mammon. You know, a lot of people have tried. There can't be a, a divided allegiance. Either, either you're with God or you're against God. You find this principle even in the Old Testament when the days of Elijah and others. You know, you're either for God or you're against God. You cannot uh, be a person that lives for two worlds at the same time. And Jesus knew that a man cannot have everything that he wants in this life and yet say that he's serving God. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 8. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? He's got everything this world has to offer, but he lost what? His own soul. Now, Here's the question. Can you put a price tag on a soul? No. Jesus came for everyone, right? Last time I looked, the Bible says God so loved the world. Doesn't specify a, a, an ethnic group, a race. God loves everyone. But so many times what they try to do is they try to gain the whole world. That's what they're serving. They spend their life... I've known so many people who live their lives for this world and they think to themselves the entire time, when I'm older, I'm going to retire and I'm just going to live out my days and kind of do what I want to do. And most people never see those days ever come. They don't. I, I was talking to a police officer the other day and he was telling me that most police officers, he said they only live a couple of years after they retire. Yeah, military. There's a lot of, you know, construction workers. I haven't seen too many old construction workers, you know, just d depending on your trade and, and what you do for life. But you think about that, how sad it is you live all of your life for that one thing, and then you never get to the real thing that life's all about. And that's what a lot of people do is they live. See, money can be a testimony, and people will say something like this, you can't take it with you. But I tell you, listen, you can if you invested in eternal dividends. You know, you, we can't, you know, the, the old adage, and I think Brother, Brother Cordy, I mentioned this quite a while back, he showed me a picture after the message, uh, I think of a, like a hearse, because, you know, they always say, I've never seen a hearse uh, at, out there at the cemetery. You know, you, you, could, you could back up a truck and unload it in, in the grave, but guess what? That's where it's going to stay. It won't make it uh, to, to heaven. See, in this passage, I find that Jesus commended this 
this steward who the Bible identifies was an unjust steward. But listen, he, he commended him because he invested in his future. He began to think, hey, listen, if I'm put out of my stewardship, what am I going to do? And so he began to think about that. Now, the future was all that he had. Well, you and I, we have a future too. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples was he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. See, our, our eternal future is a place called heaven. And when you get to heaven, look, it's going to be wonderful, is it not, that we're going to finally get to be with the Lord? But have you ever thought past that? You ever thought, who will be in heaven someday because of me? You ever really thought about that? Because God wants to use every one of us to reach someone else. See, money is a testimony. It gives us an opportunity to reach people. You know, I think to myself, there, there are so many people that I meet day in and day out. And what I need to be doing is sharing the love of Christ with them. The only people that will be in heaven someday because of us are those that we have led to Christ, that we've talked to about the Lord. Are you in your life seeking to win souls? You say, Pastor, I thought this was about uh, serving, not serving two masters. Listen, if you're serving Christ, you're managing. Remember, it's not just about finances. It's about managing your time, your talents. And, and I want to be make sure that I'm managing every. I want to be a good steward of that which the Lord has given to me. And that includes even the people I run into. And when I think about this, I, I, you and I, need we need to be spending our time actively seeking to lead people to Christ. In verse number 13, Jesus is sharing here that how that every person has to choose whether they will serve God or serve themselves. And that's what it all boils down to, is you're going to spend your life doing what God wants you to do, or you're going to spend your life chasing after the things of this world. Now, you know, going back to what I asked you earlier about if you were given $10 million, maybe not even $10 million, but would you turn it down a more lucrative job offer unless you believe God was leading you to accept that job? A lot of people have been faced with that, or would you automatically decide because the job offered more money? Now, here's two thoughts. Look at, write it down. Is first of all, money, money is something that is a poor God, and we need to know this. You know what money is? It's a tool. It's something that God gives to us that can be used for the Lord, but it also can be used on baser things. The same fifty dollars will buy food for a hungry man will also buy liquor for someone that has an addiction. And, and you know, so money is a poor God, but look at letter B. We also need to understand money is also a poor provider. You, listen to this. Somebody put it this way, and I, I, I love the way he put it. He says, money cannot supply the most important things in life. And here's what he was talking about. Money may buy companionship, but it cannot provide love. Money may buy a house, but it cannot provide a home. There is a difference between a house and a home. Money, can, money may buy a bed, but it cannot provide rest. Big difference. Money can buy you thrills, but it cannot provide lasting satisfaction. Money may buy you food, but it cannot guarantee you health. Money may buy you doctors, but it cannot provide health in your life. Listen, we need to think about money because money is a poor provider. A lot of times people think, boy, if I just had more of it, I would be okay. Have you ever thought about how long you will be able to work and provide for yourself? 
My, my dad, I was with my mom and dad, and my dad said, he said, son, I, it's just, it's happened so fast. He said, I just didn't think things would happen this quickly. Now, my answer to that is, how long will I be able to work? How long will I be able to provide for my family? Here's my answer to that. It all depends on the Lord. Seriously. I just told some people this morning, we were, they were asking me, and I said, listen, every day you ought to thank God for your health. Every day you ought to thank God for, your, for the mind that you have. A lot of people take those types of things for granted. But see, money is money's just a poor God. It's a poor provider. Money can't buy you peace of mind and freedom from fear and worry. Money can't buy you protection from every possible calamity. Uh, this little statement is probably one of the best statements I've heard in a long time. Everything that money cannot do, God can. There's a lot of things money can't do. But my God can do everything anything. All things are possible with God. Remember, it all goes back to faith. Faith, having faith in what God would have us to do. There have been many times in history when uh, the money that people trusted, and you know what happened to that money? It became worthless. It became worthless. I, I was going to make the trip to see my parents and my brother-in-law, his father uh, passed away right about the time we were getting ready to make the trip. His father-in-law was 93 years old, and we, we went to the viewing. Uh, on, we weren't able to go to the, the funeral. We went to the viewing, and when we were there, I knew that he had served in uh, one of the armed forces, and so we were looking at some of his stuff, and he actually uh, was there at the Battle of the Bulge in uh, D-Day. And uh, we were just reading about it, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, his name was Fred or Frederick. He really didn't have much in life. Spent the last, I think my brother-in-law said, five years in a, in a veteran's uh, home, just living out his last days on this earth. But he's got four children. He's got grandchildren. You know, he, he gave his life for his country. You know, that, you and I, we need to think about because some people, they just live their lives for money. And one day we're going to give an account of that stewardship. I read this true fact in 1995. They, there was a story that ran. They were stunned when the news broke that there was, there was an elderly woman, and the name probably doesn't mean anything to you. I didn't even hear of her until I read this account, but her name was Osceola McCarty, and she donated $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi for their scholarship fund. Now, the, the article went on to say that she was 87 years old, and in her life, early life, she had been forced to drop out of school in the sixth grade. The reason she was forced to drop out of school was sixth grade was to care for her family. That was pretty common back in those days. And so she, she dropped out to care for her family. So for more than 60 years, she had made a living washing clothes in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And she saved as much as she could from her meager pay. But here's, here's the story of this woman, Osceola. She wanted others, the reason she gave the 150000 she wanted others to have the opportunity for the education she had never received. So she gave away the money that she had saved over all those years. 
Folks, you know, you think about how good God's been to you. I didn't get saved till I was 20 years of age. I honestly wish I would have gotten saved earlier in life. I was standing in uh, line at, at the uh, airport waiting to get on our plane yesterday, and <clears throat> my daughter was with me, my granddaughter. And uh, my daughter was going to board between the A group and B group, but I, my, my number was like A55, so I was standing in line. And these two elderly ladies, they got in line in front of me. And the one said, uh, my husband is in the B group. And the other lady says, yeah, my, my, uh, whoever I'm traveling with is in the B group. And I said, mine is too. And so we got to talking and, and we were talking about <clears throat> just life and family. And uh, I, one of them said something about grandkids. And I said, yeah, I said, that's, that's one of my grandkids right over there with my daughter. And uh, they, were, they were making a big deal out of her, you know, and my, the one lady turned around, and she said, you know, she said, if, if, if I'd have known having grandkids was that good, I'd have skipped my kids and just started with my grandkids. <laughs> and I thought this, if I'd have known it was this good to be a Christian, I would have skipped the things of this world and gone straight to being a Christian. I wish I could get back some of those years, but truth is I lost, and many of you probably like I was, I lost 20 years of my life to the things of this world. None of it means anything. The only thing that matters in my life is from the moment I got saved until the day that I give an account of my stewardship to the Lord. And that's what you need to be thinking about is, you know, I, maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't been managing what God's placed in your hands as wisely as you should. Hey, here's the question. Why not start today? Why not say, God, give me wisdom in the days ahead to be a wise steward, to be a just steward. You know, society today, it, it values how much a person has, but I love this. God values how much a person gives. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and a lot of times, my dad struggled with this over the years. You know, he used to say, all the church wants is my money. <laughs> Listen, I can tell you that, you know, the, our church is not rolling in money, but the church doesn't need your money. That's not what this lesson's about. It's about obedience to God's will for your life. It's what the Word of God is teaching here. See, the Lord measures not just by what we give, but also by what we keep. Jesus, watch, one of, the, one of the passages I just never got over is when Jesus stood in the temple over against the treasury and people were putting money in, and here comes the widow with two mites. And a lot of those folks back in those days, they didn't pass offering plates. They just, Brother Guy, they just had somebody stand back there, you know, and they had these boxes that they would drop their offering in. And a lot of times back then, most currency was coins. And a lot of them, they would, they would drop the coins in and they would make sure that they dropped hard so that people could hear all the coins dropping. And Jesus saw these people that, by the way, to whom much is given, much is required. But here comes this little widow and her little mites, I guarantee you, probably didn't hardly make a noise. And Jesus said, she's put in more than all of you. She understood 
what it meant to give to the Lord. And it's so important that we see the sacrifice as we do this. Look, though money itself is not evil, remember we started out with the love of money is the root of all evil. See, the love of money is, is something that many people struggle with. Loving money, you know what it does? It leads to all kinds of evils. And the best protection that we have against the sorrows that come from loving money, here it is, don't miss it, is cultivating generous hearts. Be generous with what, remember, it's not yours. See, when you get past that, it's not mine. Matter of fact, let's just say that, it's not mine. Come on now, say it like you mean it. It's not mine. Whose is it? It's God's. What the Lord's trying to, it, listen, that, that's why they derided him. How dare him say that we should be giving our money? They had a big problem with that. And people who think it's mine are just like those little kids in the nursery when another kid in the nursery tries to take the toy that they're playing with. Last time I checked, I don't think kids come into church with toys in their hands and go into the nursery. The nursery's got toys in it. But when they get in that nursery, and some of you ladies work in there, those toys are mine. And that's why people are with their finances. They think this is mine, and they don't think about the benefits if they would just sacrifice and let God use that. Listen, rather than waiting until you have enough to give, until you get to be three score and ten or maybe four score, we need to be generous and give what we have to help others. And somebody said, you can't take it with you, and that is true, but you can invest it in something of eternal significance because it's, it, one thing is for sure, we will all give an account one day of what God's given to us. Now, here's the question. When you stand before the Lord to give an account, is he going to say, well done, as a just steward? Or is he going to look at you as someone who's been unjust in that which he's placed in your hands? Let's be wise with what God has given to us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God. Pray that you'd bless, Lord. God, speak to hearts as you have in, in my heart over the years. Lord, I thank you for helping me with something I struggled with many years ago. And Lord, I think about all that you want to accomplish in this world, and you could do it without us, but you choose to do it through us. Lord, you want to use us, and that just, just excites me to see that we can receive a blessing just by being obedient. And Lord, I pray that these simple truths would be something that would lodge into our hearts and that the rest of our lives we would make wise decisions about that which you've placed in our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.